Good morning, Lake House Church. This is the day the Lord has made. That's right, I'll tell you. God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And if we really could see all that God has planned for us, every day we'd be rejoicing, no matter what trials, no matter what situation you're going through. If you could see the big picture, if, God, if you could see your, your life as the whole puzzle as God sees it, that one little piece that you're holding right now that's giving you trouble wouldn't seem that significant. So I am so excited to bring this message to you. I'm still on the, the Shape to Serve um, series. And I want to start off today with a, a story, and, and it's a true story, it's, it's, a, it's a great story, but there was um, a young man, he was the youngest of eight sons, and so he was in his late teens, and, and if you've ever had seven older brothers, you know that pretty much uh, you get the leftovers of everything else that, that's happening in the family. And uh, war breaks out, and the seven brothers go off to war. And so the youngest, even though he was in his late teens, really wanted to go to war, but the dad said, no, you, you really need to stay here and help me. And so faithfully he stayed and helped. And, and one day the dad calls him in and says, hey, I, I, I want you to do me a favor. And maybe this was what that young man had been waiting for. Dad is now ready to release me to go to battle. And he said, hey, I, by the way, I, I've been thinking about this and I'd, I'd like for you to go to the battlefield. And you know inside he must be thinking, yes, this is my day. This is it. I am now a man in my dad's eyes. And he's going to give me his sword. Instead, the dad says, I made some food and I want you to take it to your brothers. And I want you to give them these peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And and tell me about what's going on and then would you come back to me? And at that point, David had a choice to make. Okay, Because what he was expecting was, as a man, he wanted to go and fight. He wanted to, to step into that role. And his dad was still treating him as a son, saying, Hey, here's some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and go visit your brothers, and then bring back the report to me, and get back to work here. And at that point, he had a choice to make, whether he's, he's going to be obedient and do something very insignificant, or if he was going to rebel and say, No, I think it's my time to step into battle, Dad. If David would have made the wrong choice at that point... There would have been no David and Goliath story. There would have been no King David. There would have been no Davidic line in which Christ was born through. Do you understand? See, I think if David would have been sent with his dad's sword, he would have went to that battlefield with a little different impression. But he actually went just to take food to his brothers. And once he was there, that's when he heard about the opportunity. That's when he heard about this uncircumcised Philistine mocking the children of Israel. So it's very important that we take advantage of very insignificant opportunities. If God is asking you to just make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and take it to homeless people, oh, but God, I'm too busy to do that. I I want a television ministry, God. I'm, I'm, I'm writing a book, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. And He's just saying, will you feed my sheep? That's when we have the choice to make whether we're going to be obedient to the insignificant that can lead to significance. So we're going to go in and we're, we're on the series of your shape to serve God. And I want to pull up Ephesians 2.10 on the screens. And what I'd like for us, can we all read this together? I know we don't do that a lot, but could we read this scripture together? So everybody on the screens, it says, Ephesians 2.10 says, For what? For we are His workmanship. Powerful. Isn't it great when everybody's reading the Word of God? Did you sense that? It was awesome. Now, I want to focus on one word, workmanship. Workmanship means that it was designed and molded. Do you understand? Have you ever seen a beautiful piece of furniture? A handmade piece of furniture? And that's when I would probably even use this word, because workmanship is not really a word we use a lot. But if I saw a beautiful... John hand-carved a rocker out of a stump, you know, and it's just beautiful and it's got inlaid names and, and everything and it just sits beautifully. I would say, John, this is great workmanship. Because John took a stump and he carved it into a rocker. He knew what he wanted to do with that piece of wood. And he knew how he wanted it to feel and form and perform so that it was a plan and a design. 
And when it says that we are God's workmanship, that means that God made us, designed us, formed us for a particular reason. Now, if I'm just the rocking chair in God's world, I'm okay with that. You understand, not all of us get to be the highlighted things. But when God forms us, He forms us, He shapes us to perform a specific duty. So it's important that we understand that we were made to make a contribution in life. And God made us different. What's very important is this. How we live is more important than how long we live. Okay. Now, there's usually this really good, ambitious goal to live very long. And I, 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 I'm on that bandwagon too. My goal is not just to reach 100, but I would rather make an impact in the life that God has given me as opposed to just making a numeric goal. I mean, if I could fulfill everything by the time I'm 80, then I'm okay with that because I was formed and planned for a reason. And I want to continue in the reason that God created for me, not to just live life for my own selfish consumption. Because there's an emptiness when you're going through life without form or function. There's an emptiness inside of us that everybody is searching for. And God made us to give something back. Now whenever God gives us an assignment to do, He gives it... He gives us an assignment and He equips us. Job 10.8 tells us this, Your hands shaped me and made me. Your hands shaped me and made me. There's a, a spiritual giftings test that I'm very familiar with because it's part of our software package. It's from Rick Warren's church. It's called Shape. And I'm very, very familiar with it. And, and the word shape actually spells out your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. And from this, God has created and shaped you. He's using your spiritual gifts. Man, we love to talk about spiritual gifts. He uses what moves our heart. He uses our abilities. He'll work through your personality. But one of the things we don't really tend to lean to a lot is that He's forming us through our experiences. And sometimes those experiences are not good experiences. And sometimes you're asking God, why did I have to go through that? Because He's shaping you into a particular thing. And you would not be that if you didn't go through that experience. There are times you will have much more compassion because you went through an experience. Would, I wish that you'd never have to go through a bad experience in your life. Absolutely. But can I pray that for you? No, because I know that's not God's will. He's using all things together for His good. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to curse you and do bad things to you. He can turn situations around for your good. You know what? I prayed for Dino. I said, God, I said, I thank you. And you know how much I love Dino. Man, I'd love to just have him playing at our house 24-7. I said, but you know what, God? Use this to improve his ministry. His voice, His strength. Whatever it is, God, I thank You that no matter what the enemy formed to take away from Him, You're giving to Him in advance. To be attacked in your vocal cords when you're a worship pastor, this wasn't a kneecap or a big toe that needed work. Satan actually attacked him in the point of his ministry. And now I, that's when I go to fight. That's when I roll up. That's when my sleeves are rolled up today because it's spiritual warfare day. That's when you have to go and do spiritual warfare. I'm tired of the body of Christ doing this. The time now is for us to go in advance. And you may be realizing, why am I going through situations? Why is life hard right now? Because you are in a spiritual battle right now. Because God is about to do something mighty. I've been telling you this for the last several months. God is about to do something mighty. And before God does anything mighty, you are going to go through some fire. You are going to go through some tribulation. But you've got to go to the Word. And that's where you get strength. Because no matter what Satan is trying to do, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's where I have to go and I have to draw from that word because it's not in me to give out anymore. Some of you may feel spent. You need to refill yourself just in time and presence with the Holy Spirit. Because I'll tell you what, 
something is about to happen within the body of Christ. And I never really bought into the 6 o'clock yesterday. Okay? I'm going to be honest with you. Never brought it up. It was never a slide. In fact, when Corey saw me show up last night for the, uh, I, I emceed the, their rehearsal, he goes, man, I'm glad to see you. Because he goes, if you were late, I was going to start putting some credence to that. You know? But when I heard that, my spirit said, No. The Word of God says that no man knows the hour of the day. There's not a mathematical formula. But I'll tell you what, we should live our life as if He is coming today. You know, there was one good thing about it. It made people think that Jesus Christ is returning. Okay? We are never guaranteed tomorrow. So I thought that there was some good that came out of it. Yes, there was a lot of ridicule, and yes, there was a lot of speculation. But I'll tell you what, I'm praying, God, would you move in the hearts of those people for them to realize... That every day is a gift from you, and we don't know when the sun is returning. But help us to fulfill what you've asked us to do today. So God has formed us. He's given us five things that have shaped us to serve Him. First Peter 4.10 tells us this, Each of you, as a good manager, must use the gift that God has given you to serve others. Now, I don't care what translation you're reading, there's nothing in there that says God's given you ability to make a lot of money. It's not in there. Okay? He's saying that He's gifted us to serve others. But we take our gifts and we do things other than serving others. Your talents are not for your benefits. You see... I'm not going to make eye contact on this one because I don't want to make He was looking at me when he said this. A lot of people want to serve God. They just don't want to serve other people. I love God. I just don't love the people. You cannot love God and not love people because God is love. So all of this, oh God, just send me wherever you want, but let me choose. I'd love multiple choice, God. You know, I want someplace that's climate controlled and you know very comfortable and the people are very talented and resources are taken care of God just shakes his head at us and says when are you going to get through your head the plan and purpose that I have for you I've created you for a reason to serve others now the Bible has a word for serving others you ready for this word it's called ministry there's a word for serving others and it's called ministry Now, when you think of the word minister, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? A pastor, yes. Priest, yes. You see? So we put this mindset that anyone's to minister, it's to be the pastor's responsibility. That's a wrong mindset. Because God has a bigger mindset. He has what's called a body of Christ. And we are all gifted and we are all talented and we all have abilities. Now, if all of our abilities were the same thing, we would do one thing very well. If our whole thing was to put Bibles into hotel rooms, every hotel room would have it. Now, we wouldn't know what to do with them after they read the Bible, but we would just do that one thing really well. Well, that's not everybody's calling to get a Bible into every hotel room. What about those people that read that Bible and then have questions? All of a sudden now we have a team of discipleship people. we got a team, well, let's make you the evangelist. This group over here is the evangelist. They're the ones going out just knocking on doors. The Holy Spirit's leading them. Every time they stand in a line at a store, God just brings people up and they just start weeping in front of them. Because the Holy Spirit has prepared to meet this group of people. Now, y'all want to know what y'all are, right? Okay, so you guys are the discipleship group now, okay? So now they brought them in. They're the car salesmen. They're like, hey, you want to do this? Come on, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring you in, okay? Now you guys get to educate them. So you're teachers, you're disciple, you're showing them who they are, you're encouraging them, you're raising them up in who they are in Christ so that they can understand, right? Now y'all are wondering what y'all are, right? Okay, I'm coming there, okay? So what happens now? We, we've brought this world in, and we've, we've led them to Christ. We're now teaching them who they are in Christ, how to pray, how to use the name of Jesus, how to believe. And guess what they're going to need? They're going to need mentors. They're going to need people who will guide them and lead them and still encouraging them. And all along, this process is going just like a chain link. But that's not how the body of Christ is functioning today. If you win them... You teach them, you save them, you mentor them. 
So what just happened? We just stopped the flow of water at this aisle right here. And now two-thirds of the body of Christ are just sitting there thinking, I'm going to go watch Oprah for the last week. You see what happens? It's important that we all fulfill the plans that God has called us to do. We all have a part. But we all don't need a title. I visit hundreds of websites each week with my software sales. They're all churches. I've seen more titles than Carter has pills, is an old saying. I've seen the most right reverend. I've seen the apostle. I've seen the first lady. I've seen the most right bishop. Okay? And, and I've seen... And I'm thinking... What? When you need a title to earn respect, you don't have respect. Okay? I was thinking about my business card. And my business card... Really, instead of me putting my title on that, if I gave you a business card, I'd rather you put what you thought of me on that business card. To some of you, I'd be dad. Some of you, I'd be husband. Some of you, I'd be like, where's Doug? Jokester. And, you know, Doug and I love to, to, to laugh together. Greg, man, you, you'd have a spreadsheet on the back of yours attached, okay? But it made me also think that I know that Jesus never had a business card. But if Jesus had a business card, what do you think would be on that business card? Do you ever think about things? See, I think stuff like this. I'm thinking if Jesus had a business card, do you think that he'd say, Hi, I'm Jesus, Son of God. Just would like to meet you. Do you think he would do that? No. Because if you really know Jesus, the way I know Jesus, he was never there to proclaim himself. He came as a servant. Now, he probably would have had one in the earlier days, carpenter. You know, I'd like to build your, your, your tent, okay? Because that was his role prior to his ministry. So you know what I would write if I had Jesus' business card? I'd write, Redeemer, Healer, My Savior, My Best Friend, My Strength, My Truth, My Hope, Lion of the Tribe of Judah, The Morning Star, the day spring. Man, this is all that I'd be writing on Jesus' business card. And that would probably be more powerful than what He would have written on His own business card. Yeah. But in our society, man, we need to impress. Everybody needs a title before they can go into ministry. I am here to tell you, you do not need a title to be used by God. Amen. And if you need a title to gain respect by men, your priorities are in the wrong manner. God has used more nobodies in this world than you would ever imagine. I think one day in heaven we're going to see a realization. Oh, we always know our, our heavy hitters. Wow, there's Billy Graham and, and all of these names that we can mention all the way through history that were just mighty men and women of God. And all of a sudden we're going to be meeting these people that led thousands of people to Christ and never had their name in a book, never appeared on television, never had their own radio show, probably didn't have their own 501c3 organization. And God is about to prepare this body to do some great and mighty things, and it's not going to come through titles and accolades. It's not going to go through the praise of men. It's going to come from the praise of God. And that's what I am so hungry to do. Jesus came to this earth and gave us an example of how to minister to people. He basically said, watch me. That's really what Jesus came and did. He said, just come and watch me. And we are created to be like Christ. So what did Christ do while He was on this earth? He served. Matthew 20, verse 28 tells us this. It is the same way with the Son of Man. He did not come so that others could serve Him. He came to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Wow. Our shape determines our ministry. Our shape is going to determine our ministry. But our attitude is going to determine our level. See, I think a lot of people know their calling, but they're not willing to serve. Their, their maturity is not there. They, they have the ability to lead others, and yet they're just focused on themselves. Have you ever noticed that when children are, are born, they are pretty self-absorbed? 
Do you understand? I mean, and I've mentioned this before, but none of my kids in the first 12 months ever said, Dad, what can I do for you? You know, it was all just give me, give me, change me, feed me, make me giggle. You know, that was it. That was their world, okay? But as they matured, all of a sudden they realized that they have gifts and abilities that they can do for the family, right? I taught Austin his gift of mowing, okay? And now he gets to work in that gift each week. And he is getting better at it. The very first time, I'm going to tell Austin this is true, he missed big sections. I'm like, Austin, this is not brain, brain surgery. It's very simple. You go up this line, you come down this line. You go up this line, down this line. Man, there were little patches, and I mean, our thing looked like artistic, okay? There was high grass and low grass, and what'd you do there? I lowered the blade. I'm like, no, 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 just let's leave the blade alone. But I helped him walk into one of his gifts and callings. And now each week, he gives to the family. No, I'm not calling the church over to my yard to mow, but I'm just telling you that all of us have gifts and abilities. He does have a servant's attitude. So it's important that we understand. Do you see that there are so many people out there looking for self-esteem? In fact, I would challenge you to do, if you're standing in line at a grocery store, look through one of those tabloid magazines. But look through it with the eyes of why they're in there. Hollywood wants to see and be seen. Why? Because if they could just get that next part, if they can get the next audition, if they can get that movie, then that will establish them. If they can get this, they can make so much more money. Everything is about them. And what they're looking for is actually they're looking for peace and contentment in success. And what happens is when you base success for your peace and contentment, there's always someone out there that's better than you. No matter how talented you are in sports or in the job world, there's always somebody out there that's coming up. They may be two years younger than you, three years younger than you, but they've got a better degree. They just have a better edge. So when you base your opinion of yourself and you are trying to get your happiness through your success, you will always be looking backwards because somebody's coming up behind you. When you try to base your self-worth in salaries... There's always going to be somebody who has more money than you do. Your salary should not be your self-worth. Do you understand? Oh, but Pastor Mark, if I could just make a six-figure salary, then I could take care of my family and take care of the church. and do it. It's not going to bring you happiness. You would only be trading the size of your concerns. Do you understand? Money does not bring happiness. So what brings happiness? The Word of God says it's in serving others. Serving others is the way I am going to find happiness? Yes, because Christ even said when you lose your life, that's when you gain it. Now somebody's going to scratch their head on that. What do you mean? Because what he's saying is the more that you do for others, the more that you will fill the purpose and plan that God created you. And when you are trying to fill yourself with fillers and additives, it's never going to give you real nutrition. So it's important that we understand what the Bible is telling us. I have three really quick points that I'd like to go through. Point number one, as far as what does it take to serve like Jesus. Point number one is serving like Jesus means being available. Being available. Matthew 20 verses 30 through 32 says this. Two blind men were sitting by the road, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by... They shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 31, the crowd told them to be quiet. But they shouted even louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? He asked. I want you to know one of the very first things that Jesus did was he stopped. Do you understand? He stopped. Today... There are so many people who want to go to Jerusalem and walk in the steps of Jesus. I'm going to encourage you to walk in the stops of Jesus. Because the stops of Jesus are where the miracles happened. Do you realize that His first miracle interrupted a wedding? Right? 
His second miracle interrupted on His way to Galilee. What that's saying is that as you are going through life, and it may be that you're having a a graduation ceremony, it may be that you're going through a job interview, it may be that you're, you're going on your summer vacation, there are going to be interruptions that are ministry opportunities. Ministry opportunities are not something you schedule in advance. Tuesday night, I'm just going to go sit on the sidewalk and wave at cars, and if a problem walks up to me, I'm going to solve it. It doesn't happen that way. Have you ever noticed that children never get sick at a convenient time? You don't schedule that in advance, right? And then all of a sudden, you're going into rearrangement. What are we going to do about this? Ministry requires availability. That as you are going through your little life's happy way, there are going to be opportunities to touch other people. And our attitude is going to determine whether we stop or keep going. Remember I told you, attitude has to the level of your ability. And see, I think every day we have opportunities for ministry. But we choose to keep walking on. Well, I'm right in the middle of a wedding. Um, just come see me after the wedding and then we'll talk about this wine situation. I'm, I'm not a caterer, okay? So it's amazing when you read of the miracles that God Christ did while He was on this earth, they all usually interrupted something. So it's important that we have to be able to understand the now of God. Proverbs 3.28 tells us this, When you have the good thing with you, do not tell your neighbor... Go away, come back tomorrow, I'll give you something then. You know what this scripture is saying? Now is the time. When you have something good, now is the time. And what we've been doing is telling people, come back later. Come back later. And guess what? They're not coming back. Because they come to us for hope, solutions, love, acceptance. And they're not getting that from the church today. Have you really thought about what the image, the image of the church is in the world today? Is it really known as being a source of strength and help? Is it really being known as being a charitable organization that's giving, 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 or taking, taking, taking? Perception is not always reality. But right now, we have a perception within the world that the body of Christ is not being that effective. Because we're not walking in our gifts, our callings, our abilities. Do you remember last week I talked about that even in the Scripture says that when we're doing good, do not point fingers at others. Because they don't need judgment. They're coming to you for help. They're coming to you because their marriage is falling apart. They're coming to you because they don't know what to do with their children. They just lost their job. They're about to lose their home. And what answers do we give them? Well, you shouldn't have gotten in trouble in the first place. Is that the response they really need from the body of Christ? Is that the way Christ was with the woman who was being stoned because of adultery? He never said, I I approve of what you did, but basically he just started drawing in the sand. And I would have loved to have read that. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Many times I've read, I thought, oh, what I could have read in that sand. What is it that you read that takes an angry mob into a walking mob? I mean, have you ever really thought about I don't think he just drew a little peace symbol and a little happy thing. And, oh, this is going to be a fish. This is going to be on bumpers all over the world one day. I don't think it was this. I think he wrote things about each and every one of them. Maybe brought up a name in their past or a business dealing that they did. And all of a sudden they're like, I'm not going there. I'm walking. Man, I, I'm dropping my rock because, man, I, I came to have a rock concert, but I'm dropping it because he knows too much about me. Okay? So why are we so quick to throw rocks today? It keeps us. What is keeping us from being available? Our agenda? Our plans? Our career? Our goals? Our ambition? Our Blackberry? What is it that's keeping us so busy today that when opportunity comes, we're too busy to see? Would you bring up that slide? This is what a majority of the body of Christ is hanging on the door of their heart right now. Don't disturb me. Now, when you normally hang this on a hotel room, it's because you're inside your room and you don't want to be 
outside your room and you don't want anybody outside coming in your room, correct? Because you're resting, you're relaxing, you want privacy, you want peace, you want quiet, you just don't want to be bothered. And guess what's happening? A lot of people are hanging this on their hearts. And when God's saying, here's an opportunity, would you just tell them that I love them? God, I'm, I'm resting right now. And I think it's time that we take this off of our hearts, off of our minds, off of our homes, and we say, God, maybe it's time that you disturb us a little with some ministry opportunities. Because they are everywhere out there. If you're sitting here today saying, I don't know one person that needs a need, then would you hang out with me for a day? I'll let you answer some of my phone calls. I'll let you read some of my emails. I'll introduce you to some of my neighbors that need Jesus. We all have opportunities. But we all have this little thing hanging on our door. And when people see that, they walk on. So it's important that we understand that we have to be available. Point number two is serving like Jesus also means we have to be grateful. Jesus was grateful for the opportunity to wash His disciples' feet. John 13, verses 14 and 15 says this, So if I, your Lord and Teacher, have washed your feet, you must wash other people's feet. I've given you an example that you should follow. That's a very powerful scripture right there, don't you think? He's given an example for us to follow. And I want you to know that when Jesus was criticized, He was still grateful. When Jesus' ministry was going through difficult times, He was always grateful. Do you understand? Jesus never angrily reacted to people. He hated the establishment of organized religion. And he called them out as brood of vipers. And he pointed out their sins and their fallacies. They were living a very whitewashed life, which meant on the outside they had all these rules that everyone were to follow, but they themselves weren't even following them. They loved the honor. They loved the glory. They loved being seated in certain places. They loved the robes that they got to wear. They loved the respect that they got, but they weren't worthy of that because they weren't serving, they were being served. And here the Messiah came in a humble situation and served his entire ministry and had more people attracted to him than I think all the Pharisees did. People followed Jesus. Now let me back it up. Sinners followed Jesus. Who's following you? Because we like to hang around with Christians. So who's following us? He was grateful for an attitude of ministry. Ministry and miracles always happen with an attitude of gratefulness. Psalms 100 verse 2 tells me this. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. This is a very easy scripture when life is good. It's a very hard scripture when life is hard. This is when the rubber meets the road in Christianity and nobody cares what's on your bumper sticker and nobody cares what's on your t-shirt or what's highlighted in your Bible, but they care about what's in your heart. And when it says, serve the Lord with gladness and come before Him with joyful singing, that no matter what is happening in your world, no matter what situation is taking place, your hope and your trust is in Christ. We all have something that we can be grateful for. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, that is the biggest thing. If, and I've read this many times, but if Christ did nothing else for me other than allow me to become saved and enter into the body of Christ and then did nothing else for me the rest of my life, I still have enough to be thankful for. But we, we want this daily checklist. So what have you done for me lately? Do you remember that song? Okay. We, we, want, we want daily things. We want daily miracles. We want supernatural favor and everything. Yes, that's our right as a child of the Most High God. But it's when our hearts are in line with His. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added. Man, we love things. We just don't like the first part of that Scripture. So it's important that we understand that God saved us. 
And out of that, we ought to be grateful. Out of gratefulness should be joy. That no matter what's going on in your world, can you give Christ thanks for saving you today? Because you probably don't realize where your life would be if it wasn't for Christ. I probably think I'd be dead. Some of the dumb things that I did before I gave my life over to Christ, I think I'd be dead. But for the grace of God. And if God, if I just focus on that one thing, I have enough to be grateful and to be thankful. My third point is this. Serving like Jesus means that we have to be faithful. John 17.4 says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. And I want you to know that Jesus was faithful in His service. Jesus didn't give up. Jesus didn't give in. There were many times there were pressures on Him to give in. Even Peter came and says, Lord, this message you're preaching isn't being really well received. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. See, Peter was trying to, you know, in the polls you're slipping a little, okay? So we've got we to revamp you. We've got to repackage you. We've got to energize your message. We've got to get you on TV and let them see the real Jesus. And he's like, get behind me. Because he knew the distractions and the detours of this world. He knew that was Satan. And that's exactly what Satan is doing to us. He's saying, well, wouldn't it be better if you just did this? Hmm, that sounds pretty good too. And look at all the notoriety you would get. And look at all the fame and the fortune. Look how easy your life would be if you just didn't do this. It's important that we understand the faithfulness of God. If we're going to be like Jesus, it's meaning that we're going to have to serve like Jesus. I'm going to tell you this. You may retire from your job at a certain age, but you will never retire from your ministry. There are a lot of people who say, oh, okay, I've reached a certain age now. I'm just going to let all the young people do it. Then why is God giving you life today? It's important that we change our mindset. Man, I'll tell you, if God allows me to live to be 80 to 90 to 100, I want to be effective. I still want to focus on other people and not just have people focus on me. I want to be like Jake. I want to, I want to be like the energetic old men of the Bible that run up a mountain at the age of, what was it, 80, 85. I don't see a lot of 85-year-olds running up anything around here. Except a big medical bill. That's not going to be me. And I'm like, oh, you're crazy. No, no, no. I'm full of faith. If it's in there, why can't I speak that over my life? Man, I, and I'm not saying anything about anybody's retired, but I'm just saying God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you ever sit in under a ministry that's telling you that your past and your glory days are gone and now you're just in God's waiting room and in the sweet by and by. See, I grew up with all the songs that were about heaven. They were never about now. And I love those old hymns. I truly do. In the sweet by and by. What about the now and now? And one day I'll have a mansion. What about where I'm living right now, God? Okay? I love to have faith in the future, but I have to have the grace for now. So it's important that we understand to serve. We have faith. Most of us don't understand our calling and our purpose. Bless you. There's something that I want to point out to you. That anything that we do for Christ matters. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, it tells us this. Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, unmovable, always excelling in the work of the, of the Lord. Because you know that the work that you do for the Lord isn't wasted. There is no small service in God's body. The Word even tells me that if I offer a cup of water, that there would be a reward in that. I'm thinking, man, as much water bottles as we go through, I have plenty of reward going on up in heaven, okay? I'll bring them to you. If you want, just raise your little flag like Pontius. We'll bring your water bottle. But you know, there's a difference. There's a difference between significance and prominence. Some of y'all are probably thinking about this right now. You see... My, my nose 
is a predominant part of my face. No comments, please. <laughs> that wasn't open for, you know. Was, and have you ever met somebody whose nose was very large for their face? Have you ever met somebody whose nose was very small for their face? Have you ever met a pig-nosed person? I have. It's hard not to stare. I'm going to be honest. Okay? It went from cute button up to full snoz. Okay? But that is a significant part that's prominent. Okay? But guess what? I can live my life without my nose. Now... My heart is not prominent. You've never seen my heart. It's significant that if I don't have it, I no longer cease to exist. We sometimes put more value on what's visibly done or visibly seen than what's happening under... Okay? And it doesn't mean that it's more important, okay? Because we, sometimes we love the titles and we love the positions and we want it to be used in grand ways so that it's very visible, but it's, it's not significant. And today, I think we have a lot of ministries out there that are very visible and they're not being significant. Thank you for that one clap. Two. You see, because what's happening is God is saying, I'm wanting to do more of the significant and it's not going to be about visibility. It's not going to be about your fame and fortune. It's going to be about your attitude to serve me and to be faithful. And more is going to be happening underground than that's what's happening above ground. Because I think the above ground has failed God so many times. He's saying, you know what? Are you ready to be used of God? Because one day you will get your reward, but it will not be here on this earth. In fact, you do not want to get your reward here. Your reward here is going to be spit compared to the beautiful wine that you will get in heaven. Have you thought about that? Oh, but I just want people to know how generous I am. I just want people to know how loving and caring I am. I want to start putting little notches on my bumper for every person I get saved. The Word of God says that he who wins souls is wise and will shine like stars. I think the glory of heaven is going to overwhelm us to a point. And we're going to see all the insignificant things that we did, all the times we gave somebody water or we served them or we did something nice for them that no one else saw. And God said, I saw that. And just because it it wasn't visible doesn't mean it wasn't significant. So it's important that we understand and we get that mindset out that to have an effective ministry, you have to do it in front of thousands of people. What if God calls you to minister one person? Is that one person worth it? It's important that we understand the significance of our body. Several years ago, this is a true story, two teenage boys came into a church and it was packed out and they couldn't find any seats and they turned to walk away and leave the church and fortunately there was a good usher who stopped the boys and said I'll find you two seats and those two seats weren't the convenient on the aisles or in the back he had to walk them pretty much all the way down towards the front and pretty much kind of out right in the center is where he found them two seats And that night, those two boys heard the gospel message and received Jesus Christ as their Savior. One of those young boys was Billy Graham. Now, Billy Graham has had the opportunity to lead, I'm going to guess, millions of people to Christ. But I think if you go upstream, there was a message that was preached that night from a pastor that was anointed. And I think that there was an anointing on that usher to say, I don't want to see these boys leave. I want them to hear this message. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and say, can I help you? What would have been the easiest things for those uh, those ushers to do? There's the door. I'm listening to that guy. We are going to have to get out of our ordinary comfort zone and interact with people. And sometimes that's pointing them to Christ and saying, how can I help you? How can I interrupt my life to help find seats that will help lead you to Christ? 
because you don't know if you're talking with the next Billy Graham. The next Billy Graham may be in here. So it's important that we understand it's not all about the significance. It doesn't matter that we have to be highly visible or what's seen. One of the hardest working individuals in this church sets up this service on Saturday nights and is rarely seen. Has never required a title. Has never asked for a raise. Has always brought solutions and not problems. Most of you probably don't know him. And when you think of Lake House Church, you, you think of me or Kristen or, or Dino or, or, or one of the ushers or the prayer partners or one of your friends. But do you really think about Nathaniel coming in here on Saturday nights, interrupting his life, and coming in and hauling out chairs from that hot storage shed, bringing them in in the rain and in the heat, and setting them up so that we can have service? See, to me, he's as much part of this ministry as I am. And it's not about the visibility. His reward will come one day for his faithfulness. There's one thing about Nathaniel he is faithful. He is extremely faithful. And if you see him today, would you tell him, I hear you are extremely faithful. I want to hang out with faithful people because I want to become faithful. And I'm sure he'll let you come on a few Saturday nights and help you set up. Because I'll tell you what, faith without works is dead. Thank you for that one amen. Or That's right. One day we're going to stand before Christ. And he's going to ask us, what did we do with the gifts and the talents and the ability and the heart and the personality and the experience that we did? And is that the time that you're going to pull out your Blackberry and show him all the things that you did? Does he really care that you closed a big deal this week? Or that you got your kids to school five minutes earlier than usual? Or that Starbucks is having a happy hour and their Frappuccinos are half price during a certain time? Does he really care about that? Oh, but they're important to me, Mark. Well, good for you. But what's important to God is really what we should be talking about. So what we do with our shape is important. Hebrews 6.10 tells us this. For God is not unjust, as you, is not unjust so as you forget your work and the love which you have shown towards His name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. If you knew that you had less than 24 hours to live, would you wash the feet of your disciples? Because that's what Christ did. I mean, just think about that question. If you knew that you were going to die in 24 hours, what would you do? And it would be going, would it be going around serving others? washing their feet saying do as I've done to you now go multiply this out or we say no I'm, I'm going to Vegas I'm charging the cards I'm going to Kohl's and spending my whole credit limit what are you going to do wear the clothes for the next 22 hours good for you you're going to leave a big debt to all those that, that loved you we have to truly understand what our shape and purpose is I'd like to lead you in a prayer today it's not our normal prayer but I'd like for you to pray this with me. And it's a prayer that's asking God to forgive us for being so self-centered and for uh, help us to understand our shape, to understand our spiritual heart, our, our abilities, our personality, our experiences, and to make a change in our lives. If this message has moved you in any way, this is the time that you put into practice this prayer. If this has only been about 30 minutes of exhortation, then this means nothing to you. But I know that hearts are being changed. And I know that this prayer is going to be powerful. So would you bow your heads and pray this with me? Dear Father, I realized I was shaped to serve. To serve you and to serve others. Forgive me for the times that I've put a do not disturb sign on my heart. Help me to see the interruptions as opportunities to serve. You've been so good to me. I want to give something back. I want to serve you freely. 
I want to serve you gratefully. I want to serve you faithfully. And one day, I would like to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer, normally it's a prayer about salvation. And if there's anyone here today that would like to commit their life to Christ, I'm going to be standing up here and I'd love to talk with you and I'll lead you in that prayer. I felt that today's prayer was really more about us getting off of our seats and getting onto the field. To realize that we were shaped by God for a purpose and a plan. You may say, Pastor Mark, I'm tired of hearing about you telling me why I'm shaped. Maybe if you'd walk into your fulfilling, you'd release me onto another subject. But he keeps allowing me to come back to this. To say, Mark, there's so much that we need to do in this world. And it's important that we understand that we were created for a purpose. We were gifted for a purpose. We have abilities for a purpose. And we walk in our purpose. And that's when we find happiness. And that's really what people are looking for today. So I want to challenge you this week to embrace the interruptions that are going to come into your life. In fact, I'm going to pray that your life gets interrupted this week. So if you see interruptions, text me. Let me know. Hey, I got interrupted today and I was thinking about you. And instead of blowing the person off or honking at them, I decided to pray for them. You can stop praying for me now, Pastor Mark. Thank you so much. You know, But I'm going to pray that we start embracing interruptions and that the Holy Spirit will flow through us to minister to those people. I wasn't going to tell you the other thing I'm praying for you, but I think I'm going to surprise you and let you experience it. There's two things I'm going to be praying for you this week. So as we dismiss, I'd like to speak a blessing over you, so could you all please stand? I want to thank you for coming out today. Next week is Memorial Day. It's when we honor all those who have served our country. Giving you a little insight about what we're going to be on next week. Especially if you've served our country, we're going to honor you and those who have given their lives. And as I dismiss, let me speak this blessing over you. So may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. So go in His peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Thanks for coming today.